Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn about upcoming events, our online store, how to donate, the podcast, daily devotionals, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. Paul would affirm what the Bible says elsewhere, that love and intimacy should be celebrated within marriage. But of course, in Corinth, there was so much confusion. Think about the culture for a second. The culture was filled with prostitution that seemed to be acceptable. A bunch of adultery was going on. There were perhaps, uh, some say, a thousand temple prostitutes who were serving false gods and goddesses and selling their wares to anybody who would be walking by. There was all kinds of sexual sin everywhere. So some of the Corinthians, when Paul came into town, they opened their heart to the gospel. Paul spent 18 months teaching them the word of God. But many of them were still confused, and they had brought all of their paganism, all their pagan past, now into their new relationship with Christ. Imagine if someone was a temple prostitute, or someone was cheating on their spouse all the time and thought it was acceptable, or someone was even involved in in the temple and Uh, false worship to gods and goddesses through sexual uh, sin. Imagine all the baggage, all the potential baggage that could come into the bedroom. Now you receive Jesus Christ, and now you get a biblical view of what your sexuality should look like. There's a lot to fix. There's potentially a lot of hurt. There's potentially a lot of wounds, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of pain, and even a lot of forgiveness that would have to apply to marriages. And so this is what Paul is saying. Paul is correcting their view, and he will go on to do that in the chapter. It makes absolutely no sense that Paul is saying not to touch a woman or not to get married, and then he goes on for the next several verses talking about intimacy and marriage. He would be refuting his own argument. (laughs) That's why verse 1 has to be a line from their letter and their misunderstanding about God's plan for marriage. Paul, says one writer, is reacting to a particular situation at Corinth, not offering a compendium of his views of marriage and sexuality. You have to see that because Paul doesn't talk about a lot of different things as it relates to marriage because he is dealing with a specific situation. We could uh, talk about other scriptures, for example. Uh, Genesis 2.18 says, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 31.10 says, An excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. So Paul is not contradicting biblical revelation. He is simply correcting something that's amiss in the Corinthian mindset and things that we need to know as well. People who forbid marriage would be wrong they would be false teachers hebrews 13 4 says let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers god will judge god highly honors marriage because he instituted marriage it is his idea if your marriage simply stands by the state seal of california you're not going to make it God wants your marriage to stand because of a covenant that you made with your bride or with your groom before him and a group of witnesses. He wants you to be true to that person 
for your whole life, to find a beauty of relationship that even will speak of the gospel. But there were some in Corinth that had decided that since sexual sin was part of their pagan past, maybe they shouldn't have sex anymore at all. In fact, there are indications here that some of the Corinthians, maybe male or female, decided that sex is bad. They got saved, and so they were going to become celibate even though they were married. They, they thought that their new life in Christ meant that they lived now on a spiritual higher plane. Gordon Fee believes that maybe these were some of the Corinthian women. Imagine this. Imagine a woman gets saved. She, she becomes a Christian. She's married to a non-Christian man. Maybe she thinks that if she's going to be with him sexually, somehow she gets polluted or compromises herself before the Lord. There were some that believed that sex, intimacy, and marriage was part of the old life. And now that we're in Christ, we're like the angels who are neither married nor given in marriage. So imagine you're a husband. You've come home from a long day at work. Your wife comes home and she says to you, honey, I've made a decision I need to let you know about. What's the decision, babe? Well, the decision is I'm now going to be celibate. Can you imagine the husband? What? You've made this decision all on your own? What are you talking about? You're going to be set. Well, sex is bad and it's evil and you know what they do in the pagan temples and all of that. And I think we need to live on a higher plane. Can you imagine the spouse, whether male or female, going, help, Raggy. What do you do now? Can we FedEx this letter to the Apostle Paul? Is there any overnight service? Because now that spouse would be stuck. If you've committed yourself in vows to another person and that person will no longer be intimate with you, you've got no other options biblically. You're stuck. You've made a commitment to be pure and to be faithful to this person and have your sexual intimacy be only for them and they for you. And if they say no more, you're going to go, uh-oh. This is tough. And over the years, because of the fallenness and the weaknesses of ourselves and the things that we struggle sometimes let's face it sex is used as a weapon in some relationships some for some the bedroom has become completely cold and essentially two people are just living as roommates now there are factors that go into this busyness stress uh we could have you know as the years go by we could have a poor self-image And for some of you, it's captured in one word, children, because children can make it difficult. Moms get tired. They're giving so much to the kids, and all of a sudden, hubby comes home, and he's one more person saying, hello, I'm over here. Remember me? So you have to make some adjustments. You have to be patient with one another. You may have to make a date. You may have to get a better lock on the bedroom door. You may have to send the kids to grandma's house for the weekend. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? (laughs) This is the reality of life. We don't just demand that, oh, you need to be with me. By the way, the Bible says, I'm glad I went to church today. You belong to me, woman. You belong to me, man. At my beck and call. No. C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves said, you better have her heart before you have her body. If you have a fight in the kitchen and you think that the bedroom's going to fix it, it ain't. You see, your intimate life is 
a reflection of the rest of your life. Now, it doesn't mean that just because you've had a fight, you can't be intimate, but you know how it works. There are differences between men and women, let's be honest. When they do, they've done studies, women's number one need, they say, generally speaking, is for affection, uh, security. Men's number one need, according to these studies, is sexual intimacy. Do you know that sexual intimacy, according to these studies, is her number six? And affection and security is his number six. We are so different. And it's been said, I'm quoting others, don't write me an email, that men are like microwaves and women are more like crockpots. All right? I'm just quoting other people. No emails. A guy can just say, all right, honey. And it can be different. And this is where we need to meet each other in the middle. We're called to be loving and patient. Love does not demand its own way. And that goes from both directions. And so here's where we need the grace of God. Paul says, verse 2, But because of pornea, because of immoralities, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Nevertheless, King James, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, let every woman have her own husband. NIV, but since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife, each woman her own husband. Now, verses 2 through 4 are qualifiers. Literally, you could render verse 2, let each man be having his own wife and each woman be having her own husband. Paul is not saying, for those of you who are not married, you should get married because there's so much sexual sin out there. So the first Christian that you meet, you say, hey, can we get married in a week? No, that, that is not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look, yes, Marriage is normative. It's the normal way that God would have it. But you should court for a while. You should get to know that person. You should figure out if they're a genuine Christian or they're just coming to church because they like you and they think you're pretty. Right? you got to investigate that, and that can take some time. Paul is not saying just get married because there's so much immorality out there and you're going to fall to sexual sin. What Paul is saying is he's talking about within the marriage. Because there's so much immorality, each man should be having his own wife regularly, and each woman should be having her own husband. His point is they should have each other, and this is what is common in biblical Greek for, Greek for have sexually. They should be together regularly. In Mark 6, 18, John the Baptist said, it's not lawful that you are having your brother's wife. This means sexual intimacy. And the way to avoid uh, falling to sexual sin is to be regularly with the one that you're married to. It kinda, it's one way to uh, 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 adultery-proof your relationship. Is If you're satisfying one another in intimacy and marriage, the devil's going to have less opportunity for one of you to be drawn away by another. This is just reality. The book, The Five Love Languages, were, was written with the concept of each person has a love tank and that love tank needs to be filled by their spouse. Imagine, you know, like a, your car needs its tank filled with gasoline to go. But if your tank is empty and it gets emptier and emptier and emptier, you feel empty and then you could be more susceptible to going outside the marriage. You could be more susceptible to pornography. You, you could open yourself up to a whole host of sins. Now, should your intimacy be 
for protection purposes? No, it should be because you love each other and you want to be with each other. But this is a byproduct of it. It gives you less of a chance to fall to the clever wiles of the devil. We know sexual sin is everywhere. Hello, I'm Anna from Corona, California. You're listening to Walk in Truth. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, we want to say thank you so much to the new financial partners for joining us in our mission to broadcast on more radio stations and to do more free apologetic teaching events. We've had some one-time donors too, and we're really grateful because that helped out our overall budget. I want to make it clear that we're not saying help us or we'll disappear from the radio station. The Lord and our existing partners have made it possible to be on this awesome station. Hi, I'm Jerry, and the reason I love to listen to Walk in Truth and support it is because Pastor Michael puts out the Word of God verse by verse, no compromise, and it's getting out to people, and uh, hopefully people are getting saved because of this. We're asking for a new partnership with you. If we can get more listeners to commit to giving at least $30 a month, we can reach our goal and join more radio stations and do more events to reach the community. And did we mention that some of those stations are secular ones? We want to reach people that might not have even heard the gospel before. Please commit what you can. So please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The book, The Five Love Languages, was written with the concept of each person has a love tank, and that love tank needs to be filled by their spouse. Imagine, you know, like a, your car needs its tank filled with gasoline to go. But if your tank is empty and it gets emptier and emptier and emptier, you feel empty and then you could be more susceptible to going outside the marriage. You could be more susceptible to pornography. You you could open yourself up to a whole host of sins. Now, should your intimacy be for protection purposes? No, it should be because you love each other and you want to be with each other. But this is a byproduct of it. It gives you less of a chance to fall to the clever wiles of the devil. And we know sexual sin is everywhere. And so Paul says, let the husband fulfill his duty. The verb is a present imperative to his wife. And likewise, notice that there's a mutuality here, a balance. Likewise, also the wife to her husband. Let the husband, uh, King James, render to his wife the affection due her or the due benevolence. That, That was the New King James. Due benevolence is the King James. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. Some have commented that the idea here from the King James and New King James is that it is benevolent. It's not simply a duty, it's a kindness. When you are with your spouse in this way, you are being benevolent to them. You are taking care of a legitimate need that they do have. If you just have a sexual intimacy out of duty, that's going to come through. If you, if you say to your spouse, all right, if we have to, you know, then, then that's going to push them away from you as well. 
Now you say, well, Pastor Michael, what do I do if my drive is different than my spouse's drive? Then you try to meet each other in the middle and pray a lot, (laughs) right? Because you have to find, this is what marriage is. It is about compromise. It is about trying to find the best to bless the other. But if if marriage is about the Christian life, that you're going to be other-centered instead of self-centered, I'm sure that as a couple you could figure this out. I'm sure you could figure out a good rhythm for the two of you that makes sense, where you're not demanding or making claims to duty, but you're doing it out of love. Because where love is, the devil has no place. Amen? If you do what you do motivated by love, the devil will have no opportunity. Marriage is not about demanding your rights. It's about loving somebody so well that that mutual affection is just natural. You want to be together in that way. It doesn't mean that your affection always leads to that, but it means that you love each other that much that you desire that closeness. And so this is what Paul is saying. The Old Testament view about sex was very positive. It emphasized mutual satisfaction. The obligation is to have a satisfying sex life. Read Proverbs 5.19. I read it to you last week. Read the Song of Solomon which is off limits until you're a certain age, even in Jewish circles, because it is very erotic. The idea here is that we are to have a healthy sex life within marriage. But I have to tell you that some of the ancients kind of got this wrong. In fact, they would argue that the only time that a husband and wife should have sexual intimacy was for procreation, to have children. Do you see Paul talk about that anywhere in this passage? Nope. Paul does not talk about procreation because sexual love is not just for having children. It's for your oneness. It's for your connection. Listen to Josephus, the Jewish uh, Roman historian. He says, quote, The law recognizes no sexual connections except the natural union of a man and wife, and that only for the procreation of children, close quote. This is Philo, Jewish philosopher, lived a little before the time of Christ. He sneers that when married partners are having intercourse for pleasure, instead of for procreation, they are acting like pigs and goats, close quote. That's ridiculous. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that a husband and wife come together regularly for their intimacy, for their closeness, for the love and affection and joy that they enjoy with one another in the bedroom. And so it should be obvious that celibacy is not for marriage. And if a Corinthian person came home and said, I am now celibate, it leaves the other, the other spouse or the partner in a very difficult spot. And that's why I kind of joke that maybe they're saying, send the letter to Paul, FedEx, overnight, please. I'm dying over here, somebody might say. Because it is a legitimate need to be satisfied, of course, in the context of marriage. And so that's why Paul says the wife can't just make this dogmatic claim. The wife does not have authority over her own body. She can't just say, now you can't touch me anymore. But the husband does, and likewise also the husband, the husband can't say, I don't want to be with you sexually anymore, does not have authority over his own body. The wife does. I want you to notice in a very male-dominated culture at Paul's time, there's a mutuality here. It includes male and female. And that would indicate that maybe this was going both directions. Maybe some men had said, I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm going to now be celibate and whatever. 
And Paul has to address the issue. When he talks about the body not belonging to the wife alone, but to the husband and vice versa, Paul's comments are probably from the Song of Solomon. Because remember, Paul was a Jewish scholar. Song of Solomon 2.16 says, My beloved is mine, and I am his. Song of Solomon 7 verse 10 says, I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. The Song of Songs is about sexual gratification. And the type of intimacy that Christians should enjoy is Song of Solomon type of intimacy. Now, there are going to be different seasons. There are going to be factors. There's going to be need for patience. There are seasons of life. There's stress. There's pressures. There's self-image. There's physicality. There's all these factors where we're going to need to be patient with one another. But you can see how even some of the ancient big names of years gone by got this wrong and they put a wet blanket on the bedroom and it was sad and unnecessary and maybe it led people to having the wrong thought about intimacy and even could be a a reason for sin. And so finally in verse five, because I know you probably can't take much more, Paul says, stop depriving one another except by agreement or mutual consent, NIV, for a time. That you may devote yourselves, the idea of, of the word is uh, school, so it's a devotion singularly focused, to prayer, if you have a New King James, fasting and prayer, and come together again, that is sexually, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Remember, he's addressing a specific situation in Corinth, and he says to them, since you wrote me the letter, here's my answer. Sexual relationships in marriage is blessed by God. Stop depriving one another. Stop it. You need healing in this area. You need to be with each other, regularly speaking. And if you decide to uh, not come together, it should be, verse 5, by agreement, which indicates that a couple's having good communication about their sex life. And only for a time or a season or a short time that you can devote yourselves to something that God may call you. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. And this was part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. Hey, a reminder that we do podcast the program. So go back and listen to any of our previous teachings in 1 Corinthians or any other series we've done. Subscribe to listen to Walk in Truth for free on podcast apps like Google Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen online on walkintruth.com. And when you do, please help us out by sharing a podcast with a friend. Now, here's Pastor Michael. It seems like in the church, the most popular series that are done are on marriage. And hey, as we teach through 1 Corinthians, here we are on questions about marriage. And I'm sure you have your questions, whether you're married or not married, you might be engaged. You might be thinking about popping the question to somebody, and maybe you're going to do that around the Christmas season. How exciting. What a blessing. Can I ask you, is that person a Christian? If you're a Christian, you should be marrying another Christian. And you should know how important, for example, worship is to them. Do they want to go to church every week? Do they want to build their life upon the foundation of Christ? How important is worship and fellowship to them? You know, this whole week, I'm going to be throwing out some questions and answers for you to be thinking about your marriage. Maybe if you're married, it'd be good for you and your spouse to rededicate 
your commitment to church as a non-negotiable. I know there's weekend sports. I know there's travel ball. I know there's, hey, I want to sleep in on this day. But you know what? Sunday is the Lord's day. And uh, if your marriage is moved away from a strong spiritual foundation, get back to church, man. Because that makes a statement not only for you and your spouse, but for your family or future family. This is who we are. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Hey, I want to invite you to Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We have a service at 7 p.m. And we're doing special Advent messages about the coming of Jesus Christ, the Christmas season, a season of hope. You can come out and join us for one of these midweek services to encourage you as this does become a crazy and busy season. The church is at 1009 Arsenal Way, City of Corona, right off the 91 and Lincoln Avenue. You can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. You can find out about Bible studies, Sunday services, and our Christmas celebration, Season of Hope Christmas celebration at Living Truth in Corona. This is going to be a special kids play, followed by a Christmas outreach with hot cocoa, ornament decorating, cookie decorating, pony rides, great food, Christmas carols. It's going to be a great evening. Come on out, dress in your sweater or your uh, scarf and come on out and enjoy the holiday with us at Living Truth. You can find out information and directions when you go to walkintruth.com or download the Living Truth app in your app store today. I'd love to meet you and your family and see you here. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow as Pastor Michael continues his study in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.